All righty. Michigan wins the national title 34-13 over Washington. I want to give you a few of my takeaways from this national championship game. Let's start by asking the question, where was this game decided? For me, this game was decided on the left arm of Michael Penix Jr. And frankly, how poorly he played. Like To me, this game was won by Michigan because of how bad the Washington offense was and how they couldn't convert on opportunities given to them by the Wolverine defense than they that they normally do hit, but they just couldn't come through on Monday night. That, to me, is where this game was decided. It's not taking anything away from Michigan. But I think sometimes teams do win because other teams fail to capitalize and, and other teams fail to make plays. And that's exactly, to me, watching this game, what happened Monday night. The running attack for Michigan got hot early, was was stopped and was blanketed for about two, two and a half quarters after that. And there was absolutely an opportunity for Washington, led by their quarterback, their Heisman Finals quarterback, to get into this game, make a comeback and win it. And he flat out didn't do it. He played his worst game of his Washington career. Like you look at this game, Michael Penix was just flat out bad. Missing receivers, not seeing the field well. That was the biggest thing. He did not see the field well Monday night whatsoever. Had open receivers. Couldn't hit him accurately. Had other receivers running open, missed him. Looking on the other side of the field, not knowing where the right read was, not looking comfortable in the pocket, not delivering accurate passes we have seen him make time and time and time again, not being on the same page with his receivers, whether it's a, a, a check down, whether it's a, a certain route adjustment, whether it's knowing where he's going, having you know similar communication. Whatever it was, it felt like anytime Washington's offense took one step forward, it was two steps back either with a penalty or with a missed opportunity. And that's why, for me, I go back to this game being decided by Michael Penix Jr. having the worst game of his Washington career because defensively, Michigan gave them opportunities. It wasn't like Michigan's defense was locked down, was just putting the clamps on the receivers. Like, that's one thing. Right, if the receivers were not getting open, Penix was getting hit a ton. He wasn't, you know, playing well and just throwing three or four interceptions. There were plenty of busted coverages of open receivers in this game that really, outside of one big chunk play, Washington missed every single opportunity, missed them all, and they were in the passing game. And Penix was flat out bad again, missing receivers accuracy wise not throwing the ball in a catchable position to where his his receivers could catch and run after that could just even catch. I mean, there's a few nice knockaways by Michigan defensive backs that if Penix was more accurate, shouldn't have happened because the ball should have been away from the defender, but that didn't happen. We saw it almost on every throw. It felt like against Texas in the semifinal last week. Now, fast forward to this week, it was the total opposite. There were a lot of missed opportunities that fourth down early in the first half where your best receiver, Roma Dunze, is running wide open. And they just went on the same page. You want to blame Penix for the inaccurate throw. I saw some people blaming Rome for not going to the corner and kind of cutting off his route when he wasn't supposed to. We can discuss who's at fault there. But the point is, that is an open play and fourth down that would have 
given Washington or put Washington, I should say, deep into Michigan territory, would have changed the momentum of the game. It was fourth down, big conversion, would have got the offense going, probably bare minimum would have led to points, and we could have had a different game. That conversion doesn't happen. Other Again, other receivers are running open that he's not hit. Inaccurate passes. Penix was bad. Flat out bad. And that's, to me, what decided this game. Like, don't get me wrong. Michigan's defensive line does deserve some credit because they were getting some pressure on Penix, flushing him out, making him feel uncomfortable, moving what has been the best offensive line in college football this year, moving them around, at least keeping the line of scrimmage battle neutral, definitely not allowing the Huskies to win it. That's for damn sure. But Michigan's defensive line did do a good job, especially led by Mason Graham. Tremendous, tremendous defensive lineman that was terrorizing at times um, the offensive line for the Huskies. But that to me, like watching that game, the first thing I look at and say where this game was decided was missed opportunities on offense by Penix. Bad throws, bad reads, not seeing the field. That was the difference. That to me was a difference. It's not a shot at Michigan or taking anything away or trying to undercut their championship. They won the national title. Nothing I say is going to take away from that. But I think in reality, you have to look at that game and say, first and foremost, Huskies had opportunities that they could not convert on. And if they hit, I mean, even half, I mean, there was six or seven shot plays that were open that were there that if Penix is seeing the field better or throws a better ball to, they are game-changing plays. And out of those six or seven, they hit one. That's it. You go 50%, we're talking about a different game. Maybe Michigan still wins. Maybe. Maybe they win by seven. Maybe they win by three. Maybe they win in overtime. But that is a totally different ball game. If we're talking about Washington hitting bare minimum half those shot plays, um, in that game that Michigan gave them. Michigan gave it to them. Huskies didn't take it. That, to me, is where this game was decided first and foremost. In large part, too, because despite what was an awful first quarter of play, I thought Washington's defense, for the most part, overall played pretty well. They gave them bare minimum. They gave them a chance to win this game. Again, they were road graded the first quarter. Looking at the, the stats here, the first 17 minutes of the game, because the final one drive bled into a little bit into the second quarter. First 17 minutes of the game, Michigan on the ground ran for 180 rush yards on 10 carries, 18 yards per carry. But the last three quarters, so the last 43 minutes, it was just 98 yards total. So, the Huskies' defense, especially in the run game, did a good job of slowing down Blake Corum, of slowing down Donovan Edwards, and not allowing what was an unstoppable rushing attack in the first quarter to have that lead to what, honestly, was trending towards early on, felt like a Georgia TCU game 2.0. But like that, that Washington defense, I thought, played well enough to give them a chance to win. And the Huskies' offense couldn't come through. You allow 34 points, but if you look at it, 10 points were um, off of short fields from Penix interceptions. So you can't blame the Husky defense there. Like They played well enough to give them a chance to win. They did not win because the offense missed opportunity after opportunity, throw after throw, that led them to scoring just 13 points um, and not winning the national title. To me, 
when you look at this game, it was decided on the left arm of Michael Penix Jr. Not in a good way. Not in a good way whatsoever. Okay, so that to me is, is where this game was won. And again, it's not it's not a slight at Michigan. I think it's just a, a cold, hard fact. They didn't play. Like, overall, Michigan, I thought, d- d- played a sloppy game. Not one of their best, without a doubt. And that's a credit to them. They cannot play their best and still win a championship. Pretty damn impressive. I would love to experience that one day uh, with one of my teams not playing a great game and still winning. But all that matters at the end of the day is that they won. But they did not make it easy on themselves. This was treading towards a blowout. You could argue it should have been a blowout. Um, the final score, they won by three touchdowns. It, it looks like a blowout, although that was, you know, that that was a very close game until really about midway through the fourth quarter. But in large part, Michigan did not play crisp offensively outside of the first quarter, defensively really all game, yet still was able to win for me in large part because Michael Penix Jr. did not play very well. Now, to give Michigan a lot of credit here, because I think they, they do deserve it. And the first thing I want to tip my hat to and say, at least for me, that was the most impressive from this game, but it's also, it's really a season-long trend. That's their leadership. Like, I think they won this national title today, first and foremost, because of their leadership on the team. Like, this was a player-led team. You see in college football, especially because the players are cycling in and out three or four years and you're gone, that the the culture setter, right? The, the team identity is built from the head coach. And especially with a big personality like Jim Harbaugh, you would expect Michigan to be a Jim Harbaugh-led team where they're, they're, everyone's following in his track and everyone's like, you know, Jim is leading from the front and everyone's following suit. I would argue that was not the case this year whatsoever, in part because he wasn't there half the year with different suspensions, but also in part because this team led themselves. Like so many guys after that TCU loss last year, coming back for this exact moment this year, the reason why Michigan went 15-0, the reason why they they played, I would say, maybe a B-minus game in the, in the title game and still won convincingly, was because of the motivation and the sole singular focus of getting to this point and winning. That was it. The focus wasn't beating Ohio State or winning the Big Ten or getting to the college football playoff or just winning a college football playoff game. It was winning a national championship. And you saw every single person on that team have the buy-in you need. And that's like, it sounds obvious, but also it's college football. Do you realize how hard it is to get 118 to 22 year old college kids to be solely focused on winning a national title where you're in February and it's 5 a.m. It's time for workouts to get everyone not just there, but everyone all in and building towards getting better. It's very easy to lose sight of winning a championship March 3rd. When the season is still six months away and you still have a long way to go just before, you know, training camp starts to still put the work in, you know, to to be dedicated, to make sacrifices. You could tell this team right away with Mikey saying we're still with Blake Corum, with this senior laden offensive line. They all set the tone. They did. The players did. Everyone else followed suit. The leadership is something that I think is rare in college football that we saw with not just the player driven leadership, but I think how many leaders you can point to on this team. There wasn't like three or four captains that everyone followed. 
there was 25 to 30 like true leaders on this team that stepped up in different ways throughout the season that led Michigan to winning this title. That is impressive and that is rare. So don't take that for granted. Don't assume that every championship team has that sort of impeccable leadership. I mean, you look at right now Saban, right? Like Saban is Alabama. That program hovers and starts with him. Kirby Smarter, Georgia, same thing. You could say in the service, well, Jim Harbaugh, of course Michigan's program starts with him. I would argue this team this year started with the players. That was a player-led team that Harbaugh was around and, and galvanized and lifted up. But that leadership started from within. It did not start with the head coach, which is really, really impressive. Talk about on the play, uh, on the field play, I should say. That Michigan offensive line on Monday night deserves a lot of credit because while, yes, I think, again, Washington lost this game and they had plenty of opportunities where if they played like they did against Texas, I think they win the national title. They did it. But part of the reason why they were forced to play through the air was because early on, Michigan's offensive line set the tone early. They, they left no doubt who was going to physically impose the other when it was Michigan's offense versus Washington's defense. That, to me, is where this game was coming down to. All week, whether it's on CBS Sports Radio, whether it's on Hicks 5-Minute Picks on YouTube, which if you haven't checked out, well, it's over now. Season's over. But we'll be, we will be back for Season 2 next year. So subscribe now and check them out now to get a little precursor of what 2024 will look like. But all week, looking at this game, I kept saying this game was going to be decided Michigan offense versus Washington defense. The strength versus strength was Washington offense versus Michigan defense. But I really thought whether it was Michigan being able to run the ball or the Huskies getting one or two stops enough, that was going to be where this game was come uh, going to be won. And I think that, I mean, that was a, a battle where, I mean, it's obvious, but Michigan won it, right? And, and that to me is a, a big reason outside of Penix's poor play a big reason why the Wolverines are national champions. And again, to repeat it before, you had 180 rushing yards in the first 17 minutes of this game. That's unheard of. That's unbelievable. That's more than most teams have in a full game you had in the first 17 minutes. But not only did that lead you to getting out to a 17-3 lead, that set the tone. To where the rest of the game, for the most part, Michigan played the game in their style. Like this was, you know, they say styles make fights. These two styles could not be more different going into this game. Washington is a physical team. And I don't I don't think they get enough credit for that, but how they win is through the air, right? Penix, Adunze, Polk, McMillan, their receivers, their quarterback, they air it out. Top flight, passing offense. Michigan is going to try to grind you down and basically bully you, out physical you, and run the ball down your throat for the most part. That's how they win. And those styles contrast, obviously, to where if Washington was a team that got out to a 17-3 lead, I think if you're Michigan, then all of a sudden you're not playing the game on your the way you want it to be played. You're not playing the game on your style of play, you are now having to change your style to fit what Washington is, which is more of a passing team, to catch up. And so that's why I think the, the start was so important for the Wolverines, 
because they were able to dictate how the game was played for the majority of the game. They never let, for the most part, Washington take control of the game and force it to become more a, a game of quarterback duels because you're winning that if you're the Huskies every time. Penix is way better than McCarthy. Washington trusts Penix way more than Michigan trusts J.J. McCarthy. That was a, a battle that if that's what it turned into, you were winning that every single time. But when you get out to a 14 or 17 to three lead, I should say, excuse me, when you run the ball for 180 yards in the first 17 minutes of the game, you tell the world, we are playing this game on our terms. Never got it to a track meet, never got it to a a, a throw for throw competition quarterback wise. It was ground and pound. And then you force Washington to play catch up all game long. Michigan O-line can't say enough good things about him. Led to a, a record, by the way, 303 rushing yards for the game. That is not only a college football playoff title game record for most rushing yards in the championship game. That's also a BCS, if we go back even further, a BCS championship game record as well. So Michigan does what they do best, which is run the football, run it down the Huskies' throat, And more important than just the rushing yards, they were able to dictate the terms of the game and made sure they never were uncomfortable. Penix was uncomfortable. Washington's offense was playing catch up. And the defense always had the run game in the back of their mind to worry about. So they were never fully in control of the game, even though they did get a lot of stops um, on the Wolverines in in the second and third quarter, especially. They never truly felt like they were in control or or dominating that side of the football. And a big reason for it is Michigan's offensive line never allowed them to take over. Huge, huge credit to the big boys up front. The play of the game. I I told you before, I think for me, what what this game was decided by was uh, Penix's bad play. You just say one play of the game. Sorry, my throat is super dry today. I don't know why. I mean, it wasn't. Jeez, end of college football season. That's what that's what it is. it's already sad and drying up that this is the last college football pod we're going to at least post game pod that we're going to record here. But if you say, where was the national title game won? Like if you could boil it down to one play, where was the game won? I think it was one midway through the fourth quarter, Colston Loveland, 41 yard catch and run on first down when there was a Big time stalemate between the two teams offensively, where no, uh, neither offense really kind of took the game over. That catch and run got Michigan into Washington territory, already up by seven, put them in field goal range, basically guaranteed that you're going to go up two scores. Eventually, they scored a touchdown. Blake Corum got his first of two rushing yard, uh, rushing touchdowns, and put the game away. But that catch and run really, for me, decided the game because again, you're at a stalemate. It's twenty to thirteen. Michigan's offense is going three and out after three and out. Penix is, is in a funk, and, and after scoring a touchdown right before half, um, right before the half, and then outs of a field goal, not really getting anything going offensively. This was a back and forth punt fest defensive struggle that it, it felt like one offensive play was going to change the game. One play, whichever offense was, was able to make it, that was going to decide the game, and Loveland made it. it wasn't a great throw by McCarthy. In traffic, goes up, grabs it, tight catch, and then runs another 20 yards deep into Washington territory. That was the game right there. 
Colson Lovin deserves a lot of credit. I think to me, he made the game-changing play. And that play right there sealed the win for the Wolverines and got them their first national title since 1997. Congratulations to them. Very impressive season capped off with a national title. Um, If we look at the head coach, we transition from on the field to off the field. I think this was Jim Harbaugh's last game as Michigan head coach. I think he's going to the NFL. And I think winning a national title now makes it even easier for him to go to the NFL compared to if they lost. But I think either way, win or lose, this was going to be Monday night Jim's last game on the Wolverine sideline. He is an NFL coach at heart. He is someone who I think he went to Michigan in part to kind of maybe rebuild an image or, or take some time off before going back to the NFL. But I think he always went to Michigan with the thought of, I'll be back in the NFL. The only question is when. And now you look at the landscape of the league coming off of this season for Michigan. Not only does Jim want to be in the NFL, I think, I mean, if he doesn't go this year, I don't think he's ever going back. Like, I don't think he's ever going to get a job again if he does not go this offseason. It's not just striking while the iron is hot, winning a national title, going 15-0, and having a good amount of jobs open. It's like also, if you're not going to get hired at this point, like if teams don't feel comfortable hiring, uh, hiring you now after a national championship winning season, when you've had three years of sustained success, like what else? You can't do anything else than to get hired. And so you look at next year, next year does not look, next year is bleak for Michigan. A lot of graduation. I anticipate some sort of sanctions coming down on the program as well. Uh, safe to say you're not going to go 15 and 0 next year. And so if Jim Harbaugh, let's just say, goes eight and four, is he getting hired? Like if he can't get hired at 15 and 0 this year, what makes you think he's going to get hired at coming off an eight and four season next year? And there's going to be plenty of, I mean, it's we're recording this Monday night after the national title game. So you have Arthur Smith fired, you have Ron Rivera fired on top of the three coaches fired in season, Frank Reich, Josh McDaniels. And Brandon Staling. So you have five jobs open right now. I anticipate a few more to open up as well um, as the week progresses. I would say right now about eight or nine jobs should be open um, when it's all said and done, which if you look at it again, eight or nine jobs, all it takes is one. And I think Harbaugh is desperate enough where I don't think he's going to be that picky. Like this is a guy where he wasn't in the NFL in either 2021 or 2022 because the NFL said no to him. Remember, he interviewed with the Vikings on National Signing Day um, going into the 2022 season. Minnesota said no. They went with Kevin O'Connell. Last year, they had like an informal, however you want to decorate it, conversation, nothing serious with the Panthers that went nowhere. Had an interview with the Broncos that clearly ended up they hired Sean Payton. But it's not like Harbaugh to any three of those jobs that he interviewed for or at least had a conversation with. He didn't say no to them. They said no to him. So he's a guy I think that is desperate to go back that all he needs is one yes to go. Nine jobs, let's just say open up roughly. I feel pretty good about one out of nine teams saying yes to Jim Harbaugh, bringing him in and making him their next head coach uh, for 2024. So I think... Harbaugh is gone. Um, I think he has coached his last game at Michigan. And I am not a Michigan fan, but that sucks. 
That sucks for college football. Jim is perfect for college football because he has a personality that fits the sport like like a per, like the the finishing puzzle piece. Or he's quirky. I mean, let's call it for what it is. He's a weirdo. But like that's I don't think it's an insult to say. I think it's just true. The, the guy is weird. But he wins. He's quirky. He's comfortable in his own skin. And he says what's on his mind. That's what college football should be about. Like college football overall as a sport, it's fun. It's quirky. It's wild. It makes no sense half the time. That's Jim Harbaugh. He fits the sport perfectly. And with coaches being the faces of the league, just like quarterbacks are the faces of the NFL, college head coaches are the face of the sport. He is one of the best faces of the sport. He's funny. He throws barbs. The guy drinks milk with a steak and has no problem, you know, admitting it, which is total other conversation. Maybe we'll do that on an offseason pod or two. But this is a guy that is comfortable in his own skin and is is personality-wise, I think what more coaches need to be. We're seeing with Deion Sanders and now more coaches maybe being not as robotic and maybe feeling more free to say what's on their mind. He's nice that Eli Drinkwitz kind of really this year with Mizzou's success really kind of come out of his shell and, and really kind of be a nice personality. But Harbaugh is, especially at a blue blood program like Michigan, he is great for college football, great for attention. He's polarizing, which is probably the first thing I should have said about him. Um, but that is one of his biggest traits. But he brings attention to the sport just by his own being. And his, I think, inevitable departure going back to the NFL is a big loss. It is a massive loss for the sport that is going to be missed by, I think, obviously Michigan fans. But I think even if you're not a Michigan fan, he's going to be missed. He is absolutely going to be missed. His quirkiness, his zaniness. It's a big loss for the sport. It, it really is. And that that part does suck. All right. Last thing I want to finish off here. Um, about this pod as Michigan wins the national title is this. Michigan is champions. With that said, though, in my opinion, this championship has an asterisk. It does. I'm not telling you Michigan cheated in this game, but here's what I know for a fact. Michigan cheated this season. They cheated during the 2023 season, period, stop. That That's like, they cheated. We could argue about how much it impacted the games. I think it had a big impact. There are plenty of people that'll tell you it's it's not that impactful. But whether I'm, there's a lot of people that differ on the actual impact of sign stealing and how much of an advantage Michigan had over opponents. But this is what I'll say about that. If you go rob a bank, and let's say you go up to the teller, you hold them up, and as you're getting the money from the teller, the cops walk in and bust you. If you're the bank robber, you didn't get any money. You got busted before you could get the money. Does that mean that you get let off? Like if you're just a bad bank robber and you can't get any money to try to hold up a bank, they don't let you go because you didn't get the money. You tried to rob a bank and that is attempted robbery and you're going to jail for attempted robbery. So you could argue while Michigan's science and that didn't have a big impact in the game, uh, on the outcome of games. They did something. That is factually proven to break the rules and is meant to gain an advantage. 
I look, they I, I'm seeing right now Jim Harbaugh post game talking about how they're innocent. Michigan's not innocent. Coaches have been fired for this already. Like, like on the record, Michigan has fired coaches for this cheating scandal. It happened. It's real. And there's no denying it. It happened this year. So you have a team this season cheating. That's what cheating. I, I don't think they should have been allowed to be eligible for the postseason. I do think we are going to see a punishment from the NCAA come down at some point soon. Um, I also expect to see this title vacated um, because that's what the NCAA loves to do is vacate national championships. Um, they've done it in basketball. They've done it in football. So I, I have no doubt we'll see that with this Michigan title. Only question is when. But this championship has an asterisk. It absolutely does. You can't look at this Michigan team knowing what they did, knowing that they cheated, knowing that they admitted to cheating. They have not denied it. They are fully aware that they cheated. The only Their only argument was that they wanted more time and due process to play it out. They've never once denied the actual cheating allegations as a university. So they cheated in this season. And I, I just don't see how you can forget that fact and just and look at Michigan like any other champion. You, you can, They have an asterisk to me. Were they cheating against Penn State and Ohio State and, and Alabama and um, Washington? No, but were they cheating early in the year? Yes. So cheating that season, you should be punished for it. You should be personally, if it was me, should have been ineligible. They weren't. They won. I'm not taking anything away from them. Congratulations. That's just how I view it. And I do think, again, seeing how the NCAA has operated for years now, I expect at some point, now it could come in 2026, how slow they are to um, to make a ruling and, and dole out punishments for stuff that happens in the past. I do expect when it's all said and done, the NCAA at some point will announce this championship is vacated. So get ready for that. I'm sure that, that will go over smooth and I'm sure no one will have any reaction to it. But to kind of put a, a bow so far on this national title game, post-game pod, if you will, um, for me, that this game was decided on the left arm of Penix. He played his worst game in a Husky uniform. He missed receivers. He was not seeing the field well whatsoever. He had open receivers that he just could not hit. He was inaccurate, made bad decisions. He was bad. He was uncharacteristically bad. And that, to me, is the biggest reason why Michigan won this title. It's not taking anything away from Michigan. It's a fact. This defense for the Wolverines gave Washington plenty of opportunities, busted coverages, open receivers, and whether it was inaccurate passes, not being on the same page as as, uh, as his receivers, missing and looking on the wrong side of the field and just not seeing the field well and, and not seeing open receivers, Penix's inability to capitalize on the breaks Michigan gave them or presented to them is the biggest reason why this championship went to Michigan. It wasn't a clean game from the Wolverines. They didn't lock down this offense the way 13 points, at least on the box score, would indicate. It, to me, was all about missed opportunities from the Huskies where they had about six or seven chunk plays there in front of them. They only really converted on one. So when you miss so many opportunities that are, are frankly, for this offense layups, 
that changed the game. It's not taking any, anything away from Michigan. It's just a fact. That's how this game played out. That was the difference. And that's why Michigan is the champion. Congratulations to them. I think played the game was Colston Loveland's 41-yard catch and run that put the Wolverines in field goal range. Already up by seven, was poised to make it a two-score game. They eventually scored a touchdown to put it away with about halfway through the fourth quarter, make it a two-touchdown game that felt like just insurmountable at that point with how Washington was playing. That, to me, though, that play right there won the national title. If you want to boil it down to one play, Colson Lovin, 41-yard catch and run, credit to him. That, to me, is what decided this game. And Jim Harbaugh, I do think we have seen the last of Jim Harbaugh on a Michigan sideline. He is definitely going to the NFL. The only question at this point is to who? That's it. That's the only question left. So hopefully you liked what you heard. If this is the first time checking it out, hey, appreciate you. Welcome. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Also, if you want to listen to more content, well, number one, doing that is subscribing to YouTube. Second way you could do that is subscribing to the Hick at Night podcast. Night spelled N-I-T-E. All breakdowns, all all content from my show on CBS Sports Radio, all upload to that podcast page. So look, my mug is a good look at. So if you if you don't want to be looking at me anymore and you want to listen, can't blame you. Way to listen. Hick at night podcast. Again, night spelled N-I-T-E. Available wherever you do get your pods. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll be back. We still got a lot of content coming your way. NFL playoffs, NBA, way more college football um, content coming your way as well throughout the offseason. So it ain't stopping anytime soon. That's why subscribe on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast page, a lot of content coming your way. Have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon.